Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans, pro football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Show. And uh, I've got a jam-packed show here today for you for this week. It's draft week, NFL draft week 2023. It's going to be held in Kansas City Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Of course, there are some Buckeyes very much involved with that, very much at the high end of the draft. Uh, and uh, that's what I want to get into. I've got a, an extended interview with Albert Breer, Ohio State uh, alumnus uh, of the Monday morning quarterback fame SI, at SI.com, sportsillustrated.com, and uh, he's uh, basically been sort of my draft preview guru. <laughs> that rhymes. I like that. My draft preview guru, Albert Breer, and we're going to talk about the Buckeyes and a lot about uh, C.J. Stroud and what's been going on the last couple of weeks in regards to C.J. Stroud, um, almost a uh, tearing down campaign, much like you saw a couple of years ago with Justin Fields. And he's going, um, Albert Breer's going to explain the uh, much talked about by now S2 cognition test that's given to, uh, I guess quarterback prospects. I don't know if it's given to all the prospects, so I'm not going to hazard that guess, but definitely given to quarterback prospects now and uh, what the uh, what is what is true about what was reported about uh, C.J. Stroud and his failure, so to speak, on that test. Who knows? I mean, uh, um, it's been tough to get a clear answer about about just the information released about that test about him being the uh, 
in the last place or whatever you want to call it, the quarterbacks tested or at least the upper echelon quarterbacks tested. Anyway, we'll get into that because obviously I have my own opinion on the fact of just put on the tape and uh, watch him read defenses. Uh, watch him uh, watch his Deering do against Georgia. Uh, you know, the best defense maybe pound for pound in college football last year. And the way he eviscerated, he and the Buckeyes eviscerated Georgia until they almost until they basically ran out of sharp knives <laughs> in that uh, fourth quarter. And still, he only he led the Buckeyes on a drive that set up at least a shot for a victory against the uh, eventual two-time national champions, uh, Georgia Bulldogs. So you know that's where it goes. And you know, of course, we talk about uh, Paris Johnson Jr. and uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Dewan Jones and Luke Whippler, you know, and there are quite a few other Buckeyes that are eligible for this draft, but a, but a fellow that I've continually, I don't know, it's just slipped my mind. Maybe it's because I'm 69 years old now, but it's continually slipped my mind that he is in this draft and I think could go second day, you know, if a team really, uh, really feels good about him. And that's all it takes, ladies and gentlemen, is one team to feel good about you, not 32. You don't have 30, you don't have to have 32 uh, general managers thinking you're you're the uh, savior when it comes to a franchise quarterback. In the case of just C.J. Stroud, you only have to have one to pull that uh, to pull that lever for you. And uh, the the fellow I'm talking about is defensive end Zach Harrison. And maybe the reason it slipped my mind is because C.J. Harrison was one of the more ballyhooed players uh, recruited by Ohio State in the last uh, 12 years, and yet didn't seem to quite play up to that promise. Uh, he was a little bit of a tweener from a size standpoint and uh, uh, six foot six, uh, what, 275 pounds. Uh, he kind of grew into that body very fast. He's a very fast player. And he had, a, I thought he had an outstanding uh, pro day at Ohio State and uh, including a long standing long jump of, man, my memory. I think it was 10 feet, one inches, which is tremendous. It might've been longer than that, but the bottom line was I keep forgetting about him being in this draft and being a guy that I truly believe is going to be taken uh, in the first half of this draft. So uh, I apologize to him right away because I didn't even bring him up with Albert Breer, which made me uh, feel bad in retrospect. And uh, the other night on channel 10, we were talking about on wall to wall sports with my buddy, Dom Tiberi, we were talking about, Ohio State's draft prospects, and I left him out. I mean, uh, you know, there are five guys that I feel really good about about this draft, as you well know, and uh, and then uh, throw Zach Harrison into that mix too, so make it six. So we'll see where that happens. But uh, but also have a an interview I did at Pro Day with a young man named Kellen Gerenstein. He was the quarterback for the Ohio State club football team the last several years, and unlike most of the member, most of the guys who are leaving Ohio State now or all of the guys who are leaving Ohio State and going into this draft from the regular football team, uh, Kellen Gerenstein has two national championships to his name in the, on, in the club football realm. So uh, I just think he's an interesting character. Pretty good, pretty, probably a better chance that he's not going to be drafted than he is, but, but one of those guys who's just a football player, man, and uh, could make a team in a special teams way. Uh, if if nothing else. And uh, Albert Burr and I talk about just that, you know, the Nate Ebner, sort of the Nate Ebner effect. And then my interview with Kellen Gerenstein about just, you know, looking for a shot. You know, that's what the 
the draft is about and then free agent camps. That's what those are about is, is young men hoping to prolong their football playing career. If, if, if it's only just one more preseason camp, but uh, a lot of these guys can play. They just need the chance to uh, show it. Kellen Gerenstein might be just one of those guys. So we'll see on draft day, but uh, you know, for want, uh, for want of not wanting to waste your time anymore. Here's my, uh, a conversation, my annual conversation with Albert Breer, one of my one of my favorite people in the world, and uh, very thoughtful. Uh, he's still a young man, at least compared to me, but very thoughtful young man uh, who knows the ins and outs of the NFL about as well as anyone. As promised, ladies and gentlemen, my annual pilgrimage to the feet of Albert Breer, uh, Monday morning quarterback guru, uh, SportsIllustrated.com, SI.com. It's uh, I smell the draft coming, Albert, or is that Kansas City yeah. barbecue? Well, I feel like I'm going to the altar of Tim May. He's yeah, not, yeah, right, not coming right, to the feet right. of me. Like well, I, maybe I don't you know. brought, you're the legend here. Maybe you brought barbecue. Maybe that's what I smell. <laughs> but uh, welcome again to the Tim May podcast, man. We got a lot to talk about in a short amount of time. It's uh, the draft is right around the corner. The end of this week, well, it actually starts uh, what Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, but uh, bottom line is, let's get right down to the big question. Is C.J. Stroud going number one in the overall draft, or is he, or is he going to slip to like a number three or fourth quarterback based on what things are things that are percolating out there in the media world? Yeah, I mean, I'd preface everything I'm saying with things can change over the course of time, um, but you know, I, I'd say he's still. I, I would still peg him as the favorite to be the second quarterback taken. Um, you know, I, I think the Hayes in the barn with Bryce Young becoming a Carolina Panther and. The Panthers liked C.J. Stroud. It's just Young checked so many boxes for them. The S2 test was an important piece of it for them. Their owner, David Tepper, is a very big believer in it. Um, and he killed his meeting with the with with Frank Reich. So I think when they traded up, the baseline for them was Bryce Young. And I think Bryce Young sort of held serve here. Um, yeah, I think what happens with C.J. sort of comes down to some philosophical things with the teams that are that are sitting there two, three, four, five. Um, and, you know, for Houston, I think a big piece of this is who their head coach is and who their general manager is. And so you have a GM and Nick Casario, who's never been part of a team in 23 years in the NFL, that's taken a quarterback higher than 62nd overall. That's when he was at the Patriots in 2014 with Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, they obviously found the best quarterback of all time in the sixth round. And then you got a head coach and D'Amico Ryans, whose background is on the defensive side of the ball who was part of a team in San Francisco that won um, with um, a quarterback situation that I would say was sort of all over the place. They did yeah. trade up for Trey Lance, but you know, when they got to the NFC title game last year, it wasn't with Trey Lance as their starting quarterback. Um, and they've been to three of the last four NFC championship games with Garoppolo and Brock Purdy as their quarterback. So you know, I, I think to some degree, Ryan's has been advocating for them to at least look at the idea of taking a defensive player at number two, whether it's Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. And then, you know, if CJ gets past two, then things get interesting, you know, because I think there is at least some perception out there that the Colts could be the floor for CJ. Um, I know he has some fans in that building. Doesn't mean they're going to take him, but has some fans in that building. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, if you're a team that wants him, do you trade up with Arizona, who's desperately looking to get out of that number three spot and they have Kyler Murray. Um, do you go up and trade with the Cardinals to get into the, the to in, into that, that, that third spot in the draft? So, 
Yeah, my guess would be that CJ goes somewhere between two and four right now. Um, but again, those things are subject to change. And, um, you know, you're sort of sitting here a couple of days out, like, and there are still a lot of moving parts. So I, I would say, you know, if I had to put an over under on, um, on where CJ goes, his draft position, I'd probably set it at like three and a half. Yeah. And, and truth in advertising, we're, we're recording this a couple of days before Tuesday. So, uh, yep. a lot of things may have happened since you and I talked here. Uh, but it's always interesting to get a feel because it seems the landscape changes, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and you worry about what's the difference between information and misinformation, you know, even in your line of work, I mean, as, as well connected as you are, how do you sift through the information and the misinformation? Yeah, misinformation. It's, an, it's an interesting question, you know, so I try to talk to all 32 teams, like in the couple of weeks leading up to the draft. So I'm obviously in the midst of that now. And yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say like, I, I don't like outwardly look for information. Like, I, it's not like I call a general manager for a team and say, what are you doing? You yeah. know what I mean? Now, if he offers it up, great. Like if he offers something up, great. Like, and I think they all know they can trust me. Um, you know, but a lot of times, like my way of figuring out what a team might be thinking or what a team might be doing is based on other information that's going around the league. So I might have five or six teams tell me this one team is thinking this, I start to match it up and I can say at least there's like a line of thinking out there in the NFL that this team may go this way. Um, and there are clues that teams leave along the way as well. You know, with Bryce Young, I'll use that as an example. The Panthers left, left breadcrumbs everywhere. You know, um, like I, I one was that the owner and his wife, David Tepper and Nicole Tepper, were on the field at both Ohio State and Alabama, and they weren't on the field at Kentucky and Florida. Yeah. Um, additionally, I know that, you know, that David Tepper's wife was seen spending a lot of time with Bryce Young's mom at Alabama. So there are like little things that you can kind of put pieces together. The stock that Tepper puts in that S2 test again, Young scored a 98 on it. And so I'd say like a lot of it is just kind of like this big puzzle that you're trying to put together. Um, so I build up a lot of information that, uh, you know, by the, by the week after the draft might become kind of useless, um, but it's always fun putting it together. And I do think like one of the cool things about it for me is like this time of year, and you know how this works, Tim, you got like sources that you work with over the course of months and years and everything else. And this is usually a good opportunity for me to give back to some of those people and tell them what I'm hearing and yeah. what I know about what other teams are doing. So there's a lot of give and take this time of year a lot of time spent on the phone and, you know, because I love college football, I'm familiar with a lot of these guys too. Not like I'm a scout or anything, but that part of it makes it really fun too. Yeah. I think people, uh, people zoom in right now. It's your opportunity to zoom in on the, on, from this YouTube uh, angle on uh, the background of Albert Breer's study, his, uh, his uh, office, uh, his sanctuary yeah. where he goes to really <laughs> zero in on football. You see Ohio state everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Got a helmet over. That's Eli Apple's helmet, actually. Is that Eli over. Apple's helmet? Wow. Yeah. yeah wow. They, uh, I, I tell the uh, the equipment guys at Ohio State, I might need an update. I might need a newer one. Um, yeah. But yeah, I went out there to cover their pro day in 16, and um, they were great. And they they uh, on my way out, like one of the guys handed me this helmet. I think wow. it was from I think it was wow. from the championship year, or maybe the year before that. But it's got his 13 on the back of it, and I'm thinking maybe it was his redshirt freshman year because there aren't a ton of Buckeye leaves on there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I've got a lot of 
You got uh, Zeke Elliott over one core, oh, over one shoulder, and then Maurice Claret over the other shoulder, which that was uh, actually the year I graduated. I graduated in August of 02. Wow, you're a young man. You are quite the young man. I'm not so young anymore, Tim. Yeah. Again, like Tim is the legend here. Tim was the Tim was the big wheel on the Ohio State beat when I was writing for the Lantern and covering big the wheel. team there. Yeah, big wheel. That's what my grandsons ride right now. Um, uh, uh, yeah. By the way, maybe a couple of years from now, you get David Davison Igbenosin's helmet, man. You talk about a guy that juiced up that cornerback room. They transfer a kid from Ole Miss. Hey, we're going to talk about couple of those things in a minute. But I want to get to some other uh, questions about the Ohio State and the draft. Yep. Jackson Smith and Jigba, you know, bottom line is we're, we're a few days out from a few days out. What happens to Jackson Smith and Jigba in this draft in general terms? Has he proven enough to folks that he's healthy, he's back, he's capable? And, man, I'm, I've never well, seen – he's like a termite. I would call him a termite because he can eat up the interior of a defensive coverage uh, underneath defensive coverage, at least from my vantage point. Go ahead. There's a there's a way that like people have referred to Bryce Young like over the course of the last couple of you know months, which is if he were six foot three, two hundred and twenty pounds, we wouldn't even be talking about who the first pick's going to be. Yeah. Like we'd all know it. We would have known it since February. I feel like you can sort of use similar logic on Jackson, where if he was healthy and played a full year in 2022, there's a good chance we wouldn't be talking about who the number one receiver in this class is, you know, really the primary knock against him, Tim, is that, um, is that he may be only a slot, right? Like, and so that's going to make him a better fit for some teams than others based on the personnel you use, the scheme you're running. Um, but I don't think anybody doubts what sort of player he's going to be in the NFL. And especially when you consider like how quickly Terry McLaurin and, um, and and Garrett Wilson and 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 Chris Olave have assimilated to the league coming out of Brian Hartline's receiver room. Yeah, I mean, there's a perception that not only is this an easy projection, but it's a guy who's going to be able to contribute really early. Um, and I I think the the one story that I, that probably sums it up best is like what Hartline, you know, how Hartline handled that when Jamison Williams was transferring and telling Jamison Williams we're going to put you in a rotation outside with Garrett and Chris Olave and, you know, we're going to move Garrett back outside into that rotation because Jackson Smith's the most Jackson Smith and Jigba is the most natural slot receiver I've ever seen. Yeah. They thought, they thought Jackson was so good even then at 19 years old that it was worth potentially sacrificing a guy who wound up being the 12th pick in the draft a couple of, a, a year later. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think like Jackson probably goes somewhere in the middle of the first round. I think he's probably the first receiver taken. Now, again, this isn't a great receiver class. There's no Jamar Chase this year. Um, and I think in other years, maybe he would get knocked down a little bit further. Um, but I do think the consensus is he's the safest of the receivers. And even if he's a limited, he's limited a little bit and that maybe he's just a slot he's got a chance to be this best slot in the league, you know, and, um, and there are a lot of teams that get enough mileage out of that position where he'd be worth a first round pick. I was going to say, man, if you're an NFL team and you're not exploiting the slot, you know, I mean, if that's yeah. not a major part of what you're doing, it's crazy. And then you watch Jackson Smith and Jigba and he can, he can get to every part of the field from the slot. I mean, it's yeah. crazy how he can turn and defense inside out. And, and yeah, I know the NFL is different different animal, but it's similar athletes than to what he's been going against for, you know, like, yep. in, you know, when he has really shown. And uh, so I, I'm just, 
Yeah, I'm always curious about that. I'm not advocating. I'm just always curious about how guys look at guys and you can't see a talent there that you would sort of change a little bit of your approach offensively to exploit that. Hey, uh, Paris Johnson Jr., uh, yeah. you know, there have been up and down uh, things, evaluations of him of late and stuff. Do you see him hanging on to, to being possibly the first or second left tackle taken? So I think he's like in this group. I, I think he's in this group of about seven players. Non, I'm, this is like non-quarterbacks. We take the quarterbacks, put them to the side for the for the, for the minute for time being. Seven or eight players. Well, I'd say eight players, right? So I think the top group of players, the top non-quarterbacks, the three defensive players, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson, Willie Anderson, um, the two corners, Christian Gonzalez and Devin Witherspoon from Illinois. Yeah. Um, the running back, Bijan Robinson, who some people feel like is right there with Jalen Carter as far as being the best player in the draft. Now, you know, positional value being what it is, maybe he slips a little bit. And then two offensive linemen and Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern and Paris Johnson from Ohio State. Um, it's interesting because those two are different. You know, Skaronsky, I thought coming into this, like he played left tackle at Northwestern. And I thought I'd find a few teams that think he's a guard. Everyone thinks he's a guard. <laughs> this is wow. how it turns yeah. out. Yeah. Like just talking to people, you know, and who do, who do this for a living over the last couple of months, it seems like everyone thinks his best position in the NFL is going to be guard, that he's not long enough to play tackle in the league. Um, prototype. He's not a prototype. Yeah, and, and like, so, but, but, but you, but you're probably getting a Zach Martin type of guard, you know, yeah. like that kind of player. Yeah. So like, you just have to be comfortable taking a guard that high. He's really good. I'll just say right. that. <laughs> yeah. Like, so like, that's the thing is like, you know, so, you know, you have an, you have a really good idea of what you're getting in Peter Skaronsky. I think the one thing with Paris is as crazy athletic as he is, there've been some questions about his playing strength. Now you can look at that two ways. Either that's going to be a problem in the NFL for him, or he's a young kid who's going to grow into his body a little bit more and has a chance to be a dominant left tackle. So Skaronsky, I think like if you ask teams, like who the better player is right now. I think most teams would probably tell you Peter Skaronsky is the better player right now. If you ask teams who the better value is going to be long-term, I think a lot of teams would say Paris Johnson because he does project to play left tackle in the pros. So I'd keep an eye on the bears at number nine. Like, you know, obviously Justin Fields is very familiar with him. I think he started a few games his freshman year, right? Like with Fields as the quarterback. Yeah. I think he was playing guard at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think he goes somewhere in that range, bottom of the top 10, like 10 to fit, like, like somewhere in that range. Like, I think that's probably where he goes. Um, and he's got a chance to be a really good player for a long time. Again, it's just sort of one of those things where you have to project like is that how much is his playing strength going to improve when he gets to the NFL? At least that's, you know, yeah. what the coaches and scouts who've worked with him have, have, have told me. And I, and I do think like, you know, the bears, there been, there were a few things that people who are there at Ohio state's pro day noticed about the special interest the bears took in Paris Johnson. So definitely something to watch there. Yeah. It seemed like Mike Vrabel had his eye on him too, you know, uh, and they're right watch. there at 11. So like, yeah. that's right. That range too. Taylor Luan, yeah. obviously not there anymore. They've got, you know, a need to fill after signing at Andre Dillard, they've got a long-term need to fill there. You know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they looked at somebody like yeah. Paris Johnson at 11. Isn't that funny? Peter Skaronsky played tackle, but they're, you know, he looks more like a guard and, uh, 
Um, Paris Johnson Jr. started at guard yeah. a year ago and uh, or two years ago and looks more like a tackle. I mean, it's, yep. uh, you know, hey, I just want the guys that can block the guys in front of me. Speaking of that, <laughs> yeah. Well, first, I want to talk about Luke Whippler. Then I want to talk about the guy that I think has tremendous upside. You already know I'm thinking of here. Let's stay in that tackle yeah. genre. Uh, but, you know, what a what an interesting character DeWan Jones is. But first, let's talk Luke Whippler who surprised a lot of us when he announced he was leaving uh, and I think surprised some of his teammates, although they, you know, in, in a retrospect, they act like they weren't surprised. You know, you know how that goes, right? Yeah. But uh, Luke Whippler, I think has really opened some eyes through the, through the workout sessions. He is a tough nut, you know, yeah. at, at center. Uh, and he could play guard probably, but what's your just take on Luke Whippler? I, you know, I, the center class is not like phenomenal. Um, I would say, um, so that could have played into his decision to leave. That yeah. maybe there was some opportunity there, um, and I certainly could see him like finding a way to sneak into day two. Um, Ohio State's got a pretty good history with offensive linemen, and like I, I do think that 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 the position he plays limits like how far he can rise, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him in like the third, fourth round range somewhere in there. Um, because I, there's, there's some athletic ability. Now I would say, you know, like you said, there were some people who felt like another year of development would have done him a lot of good. And maybe he could have grown into being the type of center who will go in the top 50 or 60 picks. Yeah. It would surprise me if he went that high. Um, but you know, once you get in, once you get past the top 20 or 30 picks, everybody has them sort of ranked differently. And I mean, even this, like this year, I'd say you get past the top dozen picks and there are going to be some people that are going to say, there's not much difference between who I'm picking here and who I'm picking at 50 or 60 or 70. So like, they think the way that the makeup of this class makes, um, makes it, I, I would say gives guys like that a little bit more opportunity to maybe go higher than they otherwise would. Um, you know, I, I still think Whipler is probably a third or fourth round pick, but um, you know, where the extra year of development, you know, would have done some good, the state of the center class. And then, you know, I think where um, the makeup of the class overall could help him go a little bit higher. Yeah, I think he's going to be a long time pro though. I mean, bar barring injury. I just, I like the way, yeah. I just kind of like the way he's built. And, you know, you, I don't know if you've met him or not. I, you got to just like the guy, man. He has yeah. a, you know, that New Jersey kind of like edge to him. It's like kind of cool to be around, you know, kind of like that Boston edge, you know, that Boston area. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, Albert? Uh, Dewan Jones in a nutshell. Well, you can't put Dewan Jones in a nutshell. That yeah. would be a big nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you, dude, it, is, it has been cool to watch, to watch this guy grow from a quotes around the word acorn. <laughs> yeah. Because he – Never. He's always been an oak, you know, yeah. but to just see him grow both physically and uh, mentally or, you know, psychologically even around. Because when he first showed up, he still wasn't sure whether he wanted to be a basketball player or a football player. You know, what I mean, those yep. guys, a big guy like that having holding sway on a basketball court, you know, that's got to get that's got to be intoxicating, you know. But uh, but he did. And he's grown into a, a yeah. pretty good prospect. I mean. You know, his measurables are what, six, eight, whatever it yep. was, a wingspan like you wouldn't believe. His feet, he's finally 
the last year and a half has shown his basketball kind of feet. He has good feet and stuff. I think he still looked at it as a project to a certain extent, but I think he's the he could be a surprise name in this draft. I think I don't. That's my take. What's your take on Dewan Jones? Yeah, I, I mean, he certainly has stuff you can't teach, you know, which is the size, the length, all of that. Like, so I think that protects his stock. Now, like, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't weigh in at Ohio State's pro day, right? Um, I don't remember. I don't think he did. I think yeah, he I, I, I think there's some there's some questions about that. Like, and you know, a lot of times the issue a guy like that'll have, um, like you get into the process and now, now all of a sudden you weigh say 375 or 390 or yeah. 400. Yeah. Like it doesn't just become a question of like what weight you're going to play at. It like becomes a question of what have you been doing? Have you been keeping yourself in shape when you're in the midst of what, what boils down to being the biggest job interview of your life, you know, and that like you, your one job right now is to be in shape and be ready to roll and so I think there are some of those questions with him as pertains to his weight. Um, but like, I do think like the size, the, uh, the athleticism for the size, um, those sorts of things protect his stock. So will he go in the first round? Probably not. Yeah. But I don't, I don't see him lasting like very long on Friday night. Like I think he'll go pretty early in day two. Um, and he's sort of like, you know, I think reflective of a lot of, the offensive line class and the tackle class in general, like I said, you know, Skaronsky, do you feel comfortable playing him at left tackle or is he a guard? And if he's a guard, do you feel how comfortable, how high do you feel comfortable taking a guard, right? Paris Johnson, do you think he's going to continue to develop into his body and get stronger? He's the one guy who's like a prototype left tackle. Roderick Jones, there are some questions about his lengths and, you know, to, to play tackle Darnell Wright, was a fantastic right tackle at Tennessee, but is he just a right tackle? And if he's a right tackle, like how, how high do you feel comfortable taking a right tackle? So like with each of these guys, there are those questions that are floating around. And I think that sort of makes all of this fascinating. Like you look at like what Kansas city did, like Kansas city is a team that I think could be, I, if there's a team that like could reach on him in the, at the end of the, um, at the end of the first round, maybe it's the Chiefs. The Chiefs have skewed towards bigger linemen more recently. They've gone to more gap scheme, which, you know, for those who don't know, is more of like a bully ball type of scheme. Yeah. Um, and they've become more physical as an offense. And they went and they signed Juwan Taylor to be their new left tackle from Jacksonville. Now, he played right tackle in Jacksonville, but they're saying, all right, we're going to try him at left tackle. And really what they've done is they've built in the flexibility where they looked at the draft class and said, well, maybe the guy that we think is best for us at the bottom of the first round is a right tackle. And if he is, we want to have the flexibility to take that guy. Maybe it's Dewan Jones. And now you've got a supersized pair of tackles and Taylor and Dewan Jones. So I think that's the way teams are sort of looking at the, 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 the group of offensive linemen. It's an imperfect group of offensive linemen and there are strings attached to each guy. I think with Dewan is, you know, he play like, is he strictly a right tackle problem at his size? Right. And, yep. you know, yep. then what weight is he going to play at? And is he done enough to kind of keep himself in shape through the process? I think yeah. they're fair questions to ask. And they're ones that NFL teams are asking. Sure. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, here's the thing though, man, when I'm, when I'm looking at NFL, when I'm looking at uh, drafting somebody in the national football league, I want to put on Luke Whipler's video against Georgia. How do you do? The times he got 
against Jalen Carter, you know, when they were running stunts and stuff. Yep. You, you'll be, you will be, I think, impressed by the way he handled the guy that could be one of the top seven, eight, ten players drafted. And same thing with Dewan Jones against Georgia and their uh, defensive front. I thought he had a really good game for the most part. And then uh, Paris Johnson Jr., same thing. I mean, you know, it's uh, – It seemed like they all did. Against, like, yeah. Forget I mean, about Marvin, forget about Marvin against, too. Yeah. Marvin, I, too, right? Wait, what did you say? Marvin, too, before he oh, yeah. got hurt, you know? Yeah. Yes. On the uh, on the BS, but he's he's not in this call. draft. <laughs> hey, Albert, you you weren't at Ohio. Were you at Ohio State on pro day? I'm trying to remember. I was not. No. Yeah, I know. Not One of the few day. times you've ever missed. But yeah, dude, it's obvious who the Marvin Harrison Jr. should be the first guy off the board, barring injury. Yeah, somebody told me like it's like, stupid somebody, how somebody, good he somebody, is. Somebody who was there, like a scout who was there, told me like watching him run route. It was like watching yeah. a Ferrari. Oh you know uh, yeah, I, I retweeted mean? Like, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, he is. I mean, I will say this: like, I, I'm not saying this because all the stuff that's on my wall behind me here, like, yeah, I, you know, you get the feeling that he's going to be sort of viewed in that like Julio Jones, AJ Green, Jamar Chase, like that sort of category, you know, the ones that there aren't one of them every year, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and uh, I mean, I, I could tell you this, like, I think he got robbed and not winning the Blitnikoff because I think yes. it was pretty clear who the best receiver in the college football was last year. Let me interrupt you. He yeah. thought he got robbed too, which is, I think very important. Now go ahead. Yeah. Jalen Hyatt's a nice player, but he ain't yes. Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. 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 I'm with you. Uh, but but no, you're 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 right. And uh and Mac Egg is a guy that's really coming on. And uh, okay. you know, we'll we'll you know, he had to miss his skip spring and Julian Fleming is, is the guy who was the number one receiver in the class a couple three, four years ago. And uh, we'll see where he comes on. He didn't get to partake in the spring, but then Carnell Tate. But hey, real quick before we <clears throat> move to that aspect of it, and then we'll get out of here. Is there anybody else from Ohio State that you've got your eye on in this draft? I mean, uh I'm kind of yeah. hitting you sideways there, but go ahead. Um well, let me think. I'm not even going to name names because I, I think there's a, you know, like Ronnie Hickman uh, left with uh, some. I mean, Ronnie, Hick yeah, Ronnie Hickman. I mean, I, I like, you know, Teron Vincent is in the in the class, yeah. right? Um, yes. I mean, there's, almost, no, there's no corners, right? No receiver. Oh, God, we must have a lot coming back. <laughs> yeah, they do, man. At the skill spots. It's crazy. It's really Yeah, we must have a lot coming back because I'm just like I'm kind of like going through it in my head. And, yeah. You know, you mentioned like Whipler and Paris and and Duan and and CJ and you know, I mean, Stover could have come out, he's back. Like, you know, I Yeah. Yeah, like there's a lot of talent coming back. So I mean, I'm I'm just sort of drawing bank blank. Like Cam Brown would be one, right? Yeah, Cam like, Brown would probably get drafted somewhere on day three. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, he's a guy he, that didn't have a. I don't think he had enough tape, you know, of being there. He all was the hurt time. so much, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, he was like one of those guys that was just so physically gifted, like you know, that maybe that's uh, he. He seems like the type of guy like where some team could look at him and say, like, well, let's like look at the physical and the athletic profile and. Maybe we believe, you know, taking him late in the draft, like that he can wind up being a better pro than he was a college player because of yeah. all the time he missed in college. Or serve, you know, he could serve as you know special teams and uh, yeah, and uh, and a spot uh, defender. You know, yep. you're, you're right. I mean, make yourself valuable, as the old saying goes, right? Hey, yeah. um, um, real quick, you're an Ohio State fan, as everybody knows. 
uh, like I said, looking at your back, you know, your uh, your back wall there and uh, bookcases, which seem to be holding helmets instead of books. Yeah, I have on one side, I got the Ohio State helmet, then my high school helmet, the Lincoln Sudbury helmets on the other side. There you go. Uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? I mean, uh, uh, yeah, they didn't win the national championship last year. A, a made field goal at the end, probably they would have won a national championship last year because TCU finally was exposed, you know, but yep. you got to give it up to TCU for what it did. But uh, if they get the quarterback and the two tackles, like you said earlier, which sounds, you know, you know, okay, we're good. We're good. Right. But uh, yeah. are you, are you juiced about this coming year? Knowing that. Yeah, I'm, I, the, I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic. Like I, I, I would say I'm more concerned with tackle than quarterback um, just because I Ryan Day's history with quarterbacks is spectacular. And I know that quarterback's going to have a lot of playmakers around him. Um, The question is how much he's going to be on his back, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Like I think figuring out the tackle situation, they go in the portal to go and get somebody over the next, you know, whatever week and a half, I think it is. Is that when it's open? Yeah. Well, actually it opened. Yeah, it opened like uh, the the day of the spring game. But uh, okay, yeah. okay. So, yeah. like you know, do you go get help? You know that way. Do you have the guys on hand? I mean, I the tackle thing's so interesting to me because a lot of times I feel like that position. I, I feel like you know, like the you more often see guys that sort of come out of nowhere um, to become great NFL players um, or be high draft picks. Yeah. Because it's probably hard to project a guy at one of those positions when he's 17 or 18 years old. And so, like, I think that that's what's so interesting about it is, like, everybody knew, I think, from the second Paris stepped on campus that he had a chance to be a really great player, right? But DeWan was kind of out of nowhere, wasn't well, he? Yeah, he was a three-star so, three that liked basketball more than football. Yeah, Right, so, like, like that's what's going to be interesting to me is seeing, like, can they develop some of the guys and – you know, I, I, Justin Fry obviously has some ties to the area up here where I'm from, and I know how well-respected he is. And so, you know, I think in a weird way, he becomes one of the key guys, like, yes. organizationally for Ohio State, too. So I, I'd say I'm more concerned with tackle than quarterback, and I think tackle could wind up being the swing factor. And, uh, you know, it's always painful, Tim, when you see, like, Ohio State just absolutely – destroying Michigan as far as where guys are getting drafted and the amount of first round picks we've had and the amount of guys we have coming back and everything else. And um, the last two years, I I still think like our roster is probably better than theirs. Uh-huh. And so uh, I think this time the, 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 this, this year's got to be when we set the record straight on the field too. Yeah. And uh, Dude, when you give up three, when you give up three for sure, Almost um, cheap touchdowns to a team. I don't care who that team is. Well, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, I remember. I remember. So I'm sitting. Um, you know, I'm sitting in a deck with my friends, um, at the game, and uh, you know, they put the stats up there, and uh, at halftime, I remember looking up, and the stats were. And I was three sheets to the win by then, anyway. But yeah. um, the they they put the the the, the yardage stats up. Yeah. And Michigan had like, I, it was like six yards rushing at the half. Yeah. And I remember looking oh, at the numbers. <laughs> I looked at the numbers up there and Ohio state was only winning by like three or four. But I said to one of my friends, I'm like, this reminds me of the Alabama game. Because if you remember the Alabama game, Ohio state statistically, that game was really close to the half, 
But Ohio State statistically was like, I, I mean, like, looked like, okay, like, they're controlling this game. And it looked like the same thing, Ohio State-Michigan. Yeah. And the score, score didn't reflect it. And so, like, I it felt like that should have been a three-touchdown game at the half. It wasn't. And you looked at it and you said, Ohio State's just going to kind of open it up and crush them now. And it went the other way. It went the other so, way. I mean, look, they got bragging rights. I got a lot of Michigan people in my family. Uh, it's been a tough, I would say, what is it, 17, 18 months now? Yep. Um, I really, 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 if there's one thing I, I need I need our guys to do this year, it's to give me my, give me my bra- bragging rights back. And there's what, you're asking, what you're asking for for Christmas, but you hope to get it just before Thanksgiving. That's right, yeah. But I think, I, I think it's, I mean, I do think it's like, it's a national title quality roster, right? Like that recruiting class they had a couple of years ago yeah. with JTT and all those guys, like yeah. this should be like when that, that group is, you know, the core of the team. And just think and about so, it. Think about this too, though, Albert, as uh, 1968, first year starting quarterback, Rex Kern, right? Mm-hmm. 2002, first year starting quarterback, uh, Craig Krenzel, right? Yep. 2014, uh, a guy that was second team and in a battle with Cardell Jones, Jack, uh, 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 JT Barrett becomes the starting quarterback when, when Braxton Miller gets hurt in preseason camp. And, uh, and then they turn to Cardale. You follow my drift there. You don't necessarily have to have had a no. veteran, have a veteran quarterback steering the ship to win a national championship. It's like Stetson Bennett two years ago. Now he's won two in a row. I mean, right. well, Matt you know, Jones won in Alabama yeah. his first year starting Kyler yeah. Murray, like one Heisman, his first year as a starter. Right on down the line, you know. You know, like there's like lots of examples of guys who've had a lot of success as their first first year starting as college players, especially guys who've been backups for a while. And obviously, yeah. you know, both yeah. Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are gonna uh, have, have been have been backups for a while. I'll put you on the spot. Who's gonna win the job? Well, Kyle, you know, uh, McCord has the lead. I mean, I don't see that. Really, I don't see that changing unless he just really uh, falls on it, you know, in preseason camp. Because, yeah. I mean, you know, he said he was not just three – this is going into his third year in the system, but he's been the backup quarterback the last two years, meaning, you know, if there were any other quality – Something went wrong, get, yeah, he's going He ahead. was the guy that got him. He actually started the game as a true freshman, as you remember, when yep. C.J. Stroud's shoulder was injured. I think, I think it was Toledo, right? No, it was Akron. Say, Akron, it was Akron, Akron, and uh, they beat Akron. And like Urban Meyer and I talked about that, you know, because Dwayne Haskins Jr. had that tape against Michigan in the second half in 2017. That was his trump card, you know, against Joe, Joe Burrow. Otherwise, yep. it was almost straight even. Well, that might be uh, the, the trump card for Kyle McCord is the fact he's pretty good, number one. And number two, he has played a little bit more. And you're opening against a Big Ten foe, you know. You're opening against Indiana at Indiana. You know, and uh, so all signs kind of point to him. But Devin Brown is talented, man. I mean, you know, he's got that red, like slightly reddish hair that, uh, you know, he's got that little flair about him. He's got to change his number, though. Yeah. Well, he he's, he wants to keep 33. So got to put like, him in a single digit. Yeah. But got no you know, swag on 33, a quarterback. Yeah. He's so he's so good. They uh, they gave him his number three, 11 <laughs> times, 33 times, three times 11. Hey, real quick, though, do you feel – confident that this defense will bounce back. I mean, bounce back may not be the right word. I'm just trying yes. to we'll, I, I rise think, again. 
<laughs> I, I think I, I think I saw somewhere that Jim Knowles' defense, like everywhere he's been, it takes a year or two. Yeah. Um, they, were, and, they were hoping that wasn't going to be the case last year. Right. And, 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 and it was, I mean, like that, that was the thing is it sprung leagues, but there was like a lot of improvement in a lot of areas, you know, and you'd hope like that whole thing, like where it springs leaks is that it just hasn't settled in yet. And he, and maybe it's the personnel becoming familiar with the defense and Noel's becoming familiar with the personnel and all those different things you've got to work through, you know? And so, yeah. um, I mean, I, I look at the talent on defense and I mean, I think, it stands to reason there are going to be at least a few of these guys that you and I will be talking about next year, right? Like the Denzel Burks, the JT, Jack Sawyer, potentially like Tommy Eichenberg, I think is probably an NFL player at middle linebacker, maybe Steel Chambers too. Um, You know, the interior guys, Hall and and Tyleek Williams. You know, you see like a lot of guys who should grow into NFL talents on that roster. And, And, you know, maybe some of them, I mean, I, wouldn't surprise me at all if Tui Malolau and um and, and Burke were first round picks. You yeah, know, like yeah. I think they have the potential to grow into that. So I agree. It's um it's gonna be interesting to see like what it looks like in year two under Knowles. Um and you wish it could have come together better and you didn't spring the leaks against Michigan and Georgia the way that you did, but yeah, but, um but you know what? They schemed them too, man. A couple of couple of three of those big plays came out of the slot. You know what I mean? And yeah. uh they uh, that's why you know you saw cornerbacks getting shots at the slot uh, cover instead of a, instead of safety. Well, I mean, I will great. say this: like it, it struck me. I I understand like the idea of moving a safety. The the, the safety plays over a slot a lot. Yeah, I I just there was part of me like when I saw Tanner McAllister there, and you've got a safety in that position, and it's like, do you not have a third corner? Was there somebody, was there not somebody that you trusted? Well, he had injuries in that cornerback room that kept. Yeah. And I just, I mean, there's so much of it though. Like I I know, you know, just like looking at NFL economics and the way that, you know, the draft works and everything else. And I mean, you can see like the NFL, the the NFL like looks at like the third corner as a starter now, you know what I mean? Like, like that is a starting position in the NFL. And there are guys who are like Mike Hilton, you know, who went from Pittsburgh to Cincinnati a couple of years ago, fantastic player. I mean, you know, he's making, I think $10 million a year or Bradley Roby has made a living. Forever. Right. I mean, like, like yeah. um, you know, Cam Sutton, um, who, you know, just wound up going to the Lions. I think he's getting 11 million a year to just play inside. Wow. But there are these guys that are, um, you know, almost exclusively slot corners. The reason why is because offenses are too good at those positions yeah. now. And so, like, that was the one thing, like, I looked at the defense and I'm like, God, are you a little too rigid there where, you know, you're putting a guy who isn't a great cover guy inside at corner and maybe the guy's naturally a safety. Are you setting yourself up? Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, I guess that's my guess, 50 cent analysis from like yeah. the well, from, from my couch with a beer while I'm day day drinking. But, Ryan Day, know. Ryan Day's a, a, found the term to be a true head coach now, and I think that's one of the things that bothered him as the year went up, especially at the end of the year, were, were some of those matchup situations that cost him dearly. You know, and yep. uh, so we'll see. You know, he you know he he really swears by Jim Knowles, but. Anybody can use a little somebody else tapping on their shoulder occasionally, right? Hey, yep. one last thing, y'all. Let's get out of here. Um, Nate Ebner made a great living in the uh, National yep. Football League, uh, 
as a, basically a special team specialist. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, there's a kid that, that was at Ohio State's pro day named Kellen Gerenstein or Gerenstein. I think I heard this. This is like the club quarterback. Or yeah, whatever. the club quarterback. And, I, and I've got a video or interview following our interview right here that I did with him just about his dream of at least getting a shot. You know, we'll see. But as I like to say, uh, he's the only uh, guy from this Ohio State group who's coming out having two national championships uh, in his pocket. You know, he was the quarterback of the uh, of the club team, which is highly very skilled, very well coached, et cetera. And uh, just, I don't know, what does it take for, do you think, for a, at the end of a draft for a team to go, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take a, let's take a flyer on this. What what has to yeah. happen in that room for them to go, let's give this guy a shot. Well, He's clearly a football player. You know well, what I mean? New England, New England's kind of the outlier and that they'll do things like that. Like they took Matthew Slater, I believe in the fifth round when I don't think anybody else was drafting him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was like a receiver DB, like couldn't, you know, it's Jackie Slater's kid, but yeah, yeah. like was like sort of like UCLA never really, they never really fully figured out how to use him, even though he had all this ability. And like Bill looked at him and said, this guy can play special teams for me and be great at it. And I mean, 15 years later, he's still playing football. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yes. So, um, and they did that with Ebner. They drafted a long snapper, which rarely happens, and Joe Cardona out of Navy. And so, like, like I most teams don't operate that way, um, especially with the kicking game, like some of the emphasis in the kicking game coming out. But I, but I do think that there's a lesson there and that for 90% of these guys who come into the league, 90% of the guys who will be drafted, um, their survival in the league will come down to whether or not they can play on special teams. You know, because there's there comes right. a point on every roster. There's a there's a there's a tier in every roster where, if you're not one of the top thirty players on the roster, right, whatever it is, and it's probably even low. I mean, not one of the top twenty players in the roster, maybe. You're going to have to bring special special teams value because if you're ultimately going to be one of the forty six that are up on game day, and the way these rosters work, a lot of times guys get nicked up, and you're going to have to. There, there are times when you've only got 46 healthy players. You want to have every guy in your roster who's dressing for game day having some sort of role on game day. Yeah. And for most guys in the roster, like special teams are what gets you to game day, you know? And so, yeah. like, for a guy like that, I would say, you know, you can pursue your dream of doing what you like. And he he's trying to get in as a receiver. Is that right? Yeah. Like, but he's, he's open to anything, you know? Right. Like, so I would yeah. say, like, I would say, just tell every team, I will do whatever you want. Like I will run down on kickoffs. I will, I will be the up man on the punt team. I will, you know, I will do whatever you want. And you know, any tape that he has that shows that he can be physical because that's a huge part of it. He can be tough because that's a huge part of playing on special teams will help him get there. But, you know, especially like, and I, I assume his size would probably limit him to being like a defensive back or a receiver or a right. quarterback, right? Like right. as his actual position. Right. Um, You know, you look at the corners in the NFL, once you get past the first two or three on every roster, all those guys are playing on special teams. And if you look at receiver, once you get past the top two or three, all those guys are playing on special teams. So, I would say like making it clear to teams that you're going to find a way to create special teams value for them would be a key to giving himself some runway in the league to maybe develop at another position. Hey, last, last quickie out the door. Yeah. The S2, the S2 test. 
what in the hell is that? And number two, uh, <laughs> if anybody, if you, if you watch CJ Stroud against Utah and that big comeback, yep. even against Michigan, if you watch him against Notre Dame last year, when he figured things, you know, uh, yep. I'm talking about these big games, forget about whatever, you know, some of the other ones, if you watch him against Georgia, the way he not only made plays on the move, but he would stand there and he dissected what was a considered to be one of the top defenses in the country, both talent wise and scheme wise. Yep. What in the, what do you, I mean, and then you watch Will Levis, for example, play against Georgia's defense. Uh, you know, for example, uh, you saw Bryce Young against Georgia the second time around, you know, yep. you know, two years ago. Uh, and they ate him up. I mean, what what is it that uh, that the S two test could show you that yeah. the video doesn't show you? Um, I would say like the one thing the teams have found it reliable with is how quick a guy processes. And sure, it I understand tests, that they've been looking for that forever. Yeah, right. And it tests like it's you know the whole idea behind the wonder like for people who don't know is I, I think it's a ten minute test, whatever it is, but. It's really like, and the questions aren't that hard. It's how fast you can get yeah. through things, you know, and how quickly you can process and how you can manage all of that in your head. And this test is similar, but more evolved. And like it, it sort of tests how fast your brain processes stuff. It's on a computer. And I mean, some of the early results have shown like the guys who have done well on it have developed. Now, Justin Fields did really well on it. We'll see with him. But Josh Allen and Joe Burrow both did really well on it. And those yeah. are sort of the, I'd say the flag bearers for it. And that like, obviously Burrow like assimilated so quickly to the NFL. Allen was a little slower, but Allen had more development that, that, that had to happen for him to get to the point where he could be who he is now. And he developed. And so, you know, I think for a lot of people who are looking at these numbers, they say, all right, like so we need to see him improve in areas X, Y, and Z. How can we get some sort of gauge to see if he's got the capacity to do it? And this is a way that they found that they feel like is at least somewhat reliable in testing what a guy's capacity is for development. Yeah. And how much better he's gonna get. And, you know, especially on the mental side of the game. And so is it a death knell for anybody who doesn't do well on it? No. Um, but I can tell you, like in the, the case of the Carolina Panthers, like David Tepper's a big believer in it, you know, and it's something I've I've been saying for a couple months now, like it was gonna be a factor. Yeah. And I they're not taking Bryce Young because he scored a 98 on it, but I do think it was a factor in like clinching it for Bryce Young, you know, and so like that's just like as I see it, like you know, like the way that NFL teams look at it and you know, look, we're still like young on we're we're still sort of new with it too. So I, I think, you know, it's you know, I, we'll have more more players take yeah. it over the years and I yeah. think we'll have a bigger body of work. And yeah, you know, once you get through ten or fifteen years of it, then you're gonna have a better gauge of how reliable it is. But the early signs are good that that, that there is some merit to it. Yeah. I would throw two plays and we'll get out of here. I'll throw two plays at you. Um yep. the little scramble play were were uh against Georgia where the one to Marvin. Uh, CJ stepped up and then and then found not only found Marvin but through one of the more accurate passes you're ever going to see on the run. Yep. Number one, that was one, and then the other one was the go-ahead touchdown pass against Utah in the Rose Bowl, where he stepped. He looked at his primary was probably going to be Jackson. Looked off Jackson because Jackson was going through the muddle of the middle of the field. Looked back left and came back right and 
And not only did he spot Jackson exactly in the matchup he was hoping to get, but uh, but threw a back shoulder pass to him in the corner yeah. of the end zone that Jackson Smith and Jigba made a great catch on. It was kind of a it was kind yeah, of a he great was catch. I mean he was on fire in that game like both yeah. those guys and but like I mean I, just as quickly as I got, I got him to like basically back in before the spring started the next year to take me through that play and you can go back and read about it or see it on video just how quickly in a second and a half he assimilated everything that was going on that play it was nuts yep and yeah. then and then delivered an accurate pass that's the and big i do deal. think and i do yep. think cj i think like cj how his meetings have gone um now they're not perfect right like yeah. but 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 i do think like how his meetings have gone have shown that he's got the capacity to do it and the other thing i would say that like will help him now justin did really well in this test right yeah but like my understanding is Ohio State was running a more complex version of their offense with CJ because he could handle it. And they gave him more responsibility at the line of scrimmage to set protections, to adjust routes, to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and I the way it was explained to me was like, well, part of it is that CJ had to, had to do some of that stuff, right? Because yeah. like he didn't have the escape hatch that Justin had of like being this just freaking phenomenal athlete <laughs> yeah. who like can kind of like make something happen if it doesn't happen naturally for him out there. But CJ has got a lot of reps doing that now, you know? And so I do think like, you know, one thing I've gotten back from teams is that like, despite the S2 test not being where maybe he would have hoped it would have been, would have been um, the stuff that you see in the meetings is completely in the other direction. And that, like he's plenty smart and plenty evolved for the protect. And here's the other thing is, and this would be on people around him, but I, like I do, you know, you've heard in the past stories of people of kids, not like taking the wonder, like seriously enough, which I think is usually a mistake. Like do just do your best. You know what I mean? Yeah. You do wonder with a new test like this, like, was he like, like where was his mind at when he was taking it? You know? Yeah. So I think that's a fair question to ask too. Um, but you know, it, it certainly doesn't help him that, that, that the score was where it was, but I would say like, you know, the body of work from Ohio state, what his responsibilities were at Ohio state on top of the way the interviews have gone and, you know, how he's been able to sort of flash who he can be mentally to all these teams should certainly help him. Yeah. Albert Breer, man, you stayed longer than nine minutes, man, which I promised you, but, uh, you always ask me for nine minutes. I know, I know. Well, well like you know, minutes. throw a number out there. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah. And then, but uh, it's because you wouldn't, you wouldn't get quiet. You wouldn't get quiet. But Albert Breer, <laughs> man, thank you once again for joining the Tim May. It's called the Tim May Show now, man. But uh, podcast show, what's the difference, man? I appreciate you joining me. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Always enjoy my conversations with Albert Breer. And I uh, hope, hope you enjoy them too, uh, especially – the way he explains some of the C.J. Stroud drama that's going on. Uh, and, you know, heck, there's even there's drama all up and down the draft because, you know what, until they call your name, you don't really know for sure whether they're calling your name. You know, Paris Johnson Jr., is he going to get called sooner uh, rather than later? Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, is he the best receiver in this in this class? Well, you know, you don't necessarily judge it by when a guy is drafted on whether a guy is the best receiver prospect because does a team have a need for a – a slot guy. Uh, I think every team should have a need for a slot guy, especially a big time prospect like uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
but we'll see where he ends up going. But as you, you know, we slid into that conversation too about Dewan Jones, who I think could be a sleeper, a first round sleeper in this draft. Uh, then again, he could slide to the third round, but uh, guys that big who have improved that much and still have an upside, uh, they don't come around very often as big and uh, really as effective for the most part as Dewan Jones was, especially his last season and a half at Ohio State at right tackle. So we'll see where that happens. But, you know, I also talked with Albert about the uh, the possibilities of of a Kellen Gerenstein and where he could go. And you know what? Without further ado, let's get to my conversation I had on Ohio State's Pro Day way back in March with Kellen Gerenstein and his hopes and dreams. I'm a little fried. Who's this KG dude? Man, I, I, my name is Kellen Gerenstein. Uh, I'm just a kid from Flossmore, Illinois. Um, and I just, uh, I'm so thankful for everyone that's put me here in this position today. Coach Mick and, and Mark Pantoni, Coach A.T. Turner, who trained me for the last two months, and all the strength interns, Luke, Colin, um, Jamal, KJ, Jacob, everyone in my recruiting office, all my family, my teammates, Coach Greg, obviously. Um, you know, I'm just here showing what I can do. Uh, I love football, and uh, my path is obviously nuanced. It's, it's different. It's, yeah, yeah, it's different, you know, but. Um, but you I'm won here. a national championship. I won two of them. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, sir. But um, with the uh, Ohio State club team, I mean, uh, uh, number one, were there butterflies as you as you as you came out today, or how would you describe? No. You, I thought you had a very good workout. I, I I was I was pleased. I just didn't feel the pressure because I mean, what have I got to lose? You know what I mean? Yeah. All due respect to all those other guys, and and they're in the position that they need to be. Jackson, C.J. Paris, they're going to make a million dollars, and. They could have lost a million dollars today. You know, I'm. I wasn't in that position. I, I had no money to lose. I had everything to gain. So, I, I woke up this morning and I was just, I was just so ready. And and, you know, Coach Walton's my guy. I watch tape with him um, for my for my uh, for work. Um, but when I found out that we were going to get coached by the Saints coaches, I was like, I might get coached by NFL coaches. And then Mike Tomlin was ten feet away watching me work out. Yeah. You know, like I, I couldn't have imagined being here like if you told me four or five years ago that this this is the path that I took to get here and I'm here now I man like I, I couldn't have written it I don't think anyone else could have either hey Kellen I want to ask you this uh, did, did you get a sense afterwards talking to folks maybe you opened some eyes today what, what's your sense um you know I had I know a couple teams talked to Chris Booker last year and, and so yeah. far it's been kind of quiet but Maybe when the official numbers come out, you know, but what, what more could I have done? You know, I worked my tail off for the last two months. I ran as hard as I could. I'm going to let the cards fall where they fall. And um, will it will it hurt if nothing happens? Absolutely, because I did work hard. Um, yeah. But that's everything that I could have controlled, I did to the best that I could have possibly done. What? Uh, why didn't you play somewhere, meaning other than a club team? Club team. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. This is pretty yeah. good football. The Ohio State club that, team. That, that is a great. It's a championship question. organization. Go ahead, then. Um, I was, you got a hell of a coach, right? Yeah, I do have a hell of a coach. Shout out, shout out James Gregor. That's yeah. my guy, man. Um, and in 2019, after we won that first championship, I, I thought about leaving. Obviously, then COVID hit, and that kind of deterred it. But yeah, I mean, something just. I love Ohio State. I, I love Coach Gregor. I love the guys on that team. <laughs> I. Uh, you know, it's 
it, it is it's amazing here. My dad took me to a Northwestern versus Ohio State game up in Evanston. I'm obviously I'm from Chicago. Um, and uh, that was Troy Smith and Coach Hardline caught two touchdowns that day, number one in the country. I think the final score was like 54 to 10. I was a baby. I was like seven years old. Yeah. I was seven years old. Um, and ever since that day, my dad said that this is where I was destined to be. And um, all the times that I thought I was going to head out and play somewhere else, because it did start to look bleak, especially when COVID happened, that I wasn't going to get the walk-on spot I wanted. Um, but man, like I just, I created something, not I, we created something in club that um, is just a path. It's, it's something that I could have never thought I'd have been a part of. Just creating that culture and yeah. building the brand. I just, I think that's so important. And um, I just became something a lot more than what I thought I was going to be when I stepped on the campus. Yeah, that's the big, the big question. So did, did you, you know, did you help create a legacy? Did you yeah. leave a legacy? You know, and I think I did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Did you ever, did you try to walk on? Did you ever try to walk on here or did you? I tried, uh, I tried for forever. I, the closest I got was 2019 in April and, and um, uh, story time. I, I met with, with Coach Yurchich, who was the quarterback coach at the time. And, yeah. Um, interviewed me and I, I thought it went well, but I just, you know, they didn't take me, which is fine. I've you know, no hard feelings there. It happens. Um, and for all that time, it wasn't until April of 2023 that, not 2023, 2022, Coach Hinton, I, I came to for my last interview for my internship now. Coach Hinton, who was the original one who contacted me back in 2019, he came and got me from the door. So for three years, I thought, I did something wrong. I talked too much, you know. Like I, I something was wrong, and I wasn't good enough. Um, and coach, I haven't told Coach Hinton this yet, but I will one day um, to his face that that made my day for him to come get me and tell me. I asked him. I said, Coach, why didn't you take me? Like, what what happened three years ago? I said, I just didn't have a spot, but you were good enough. Wow. And those four words for me were, I called my dad, and I, and I I broke down the phone because I was like. I thought I was stupid all that time for thinking that I could have made it here, um, but I wasn't. Yeah. You know, I, I and I think today is more proof of that. Again, Coach Mick didn't have to let me work out here, and um, he did, and he let me do every drill and position drills. It was, it was awesome. Uh, like, man, I love it. I love football. Were you when you when you when you were trying to walk on with the football team? What were you trying to walk on as? I was trying to walk on as a quarterback. Yeah. And I think. You know, you're about the same size as Bryce Young. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought I thought I had the ability, and 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 then and obviously I'm short, but I think I make up for it in a lot of other areas. Obviously, I don't have. Speaking from scouting myself, you know, self scouting, I don't have the NFL arm, but the athleticism and everything else you need, I think I'm poised. Yeah. The leadership, obviously, I, I think that's my, my my prideful quality that I tell everyone about. Um, I try to walk on as a quarterback, but I would have done anything, and, and I think that the translation to DB is why I worked out there today. Yeah. Um, and just knowing how that works. Yes, I would think right now, if you had a if you had somebody to emulate, it might be Nate Ebner. I don't know if you remember him, but walk on at Ohio State, wind up mm. playing with the Patriots forever on their mm -hmm. special teams and yeah. stuff. Is it literally just basically somebody give me a chance and yeah, I'll, I'll yeah. prove it? You know, I know how scouting works. You evaluate traits, you project traits at the end of the day. Yeah. But you have to play the game. 
you know, which is why I think Jackson is such a special case. Everyone's so worried about the 40. He plays the game better than everyone else. He plays the game of football better than everyone yeah. else. That's why guys like Cooper Cup are, are so good at what they do. They play the game better than everyone. Um, and I'm a high-effort guy. Like, 4 to 6, A to B, I'm going to give it my all every every single play and every day in the offseason. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be ready for, you know, that next season, obviously, like I don't know what's coming now, but in the past, that's what what's been the deal. Um, I just love the game, and it just gives me so much passion to be so good at it and to just compete and um, just be the best Kellen that I can be. Yeah. Hey, Kellen, good luck, man. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Eh? I enjoyed speaking with that young man. That's for sure. And uh, you know, he had a chance to walk on at Ohio State, but really wanted to play quarterback a little bit more and was quite effective on the club level at quarterback. Matter of fact, he was a superstar <laughs> in that regard. So we'll see if he gets his dream fulfilled as a wide receiver or, or jack of all trades. Uh, some National Football League team might might tap him, at least to give him a shot uh, on special teams and possibly as a fill-in wide receiver. I thought he looked pretty good in that role on Ohio State's pro day. And, uh, you know, before I go, I don't, I don't know what to make of the – of the C.J. Stroud drama. I, I kind of feel sorry, just like I felt sorry for Justin Fields. But Justin Fields ended up landing in what I thought was the right place for him, a team that really needed him. Now if they could get an offensive line to put around him, who knows how good he could be, right? <laughs> but I remember talking with some uh, media folks doing an interview before that draft, and uh, and the New York Jets were, were down between Zach Wilson and the kid from Br Brigham Young and Justin Fields. And he went with Zach Wilson and, you know, never was a fan of his, or at least not as big a fan as I was of Justin Fields. And I think the uh, Jets now regret that pick. And so the same thing could be, same thing could happen in the CJ Stroud episode. Let's say the Texans, as Albert Breer points out, uh, opt not to take a quarterback in that early spot. And let's say Indianapolis sticks with what a lot of people think uh, they, they have really fallen or been taken by Will Levis and or Anthony Richardson. It probably Will Levis over Anthony Richardson, I would believe. But, uh, you know, wow, I just can't believe it. I mean, this C.J. Stroud proved uh, he is a high-level uh, prospect to be a franchise quarterback in the National Football League if you put some, uh, some great support cast around him. And that goes for any quarterback. You know, of course you need a great support cast. Of course, he had a great support cast at Ohio State uh, most games. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, but it's just unfortunate that the way information is disseminated anymore and that uh, a lot of things are taken as gospel that aren't gospel, that were only a fragment of what someone said, you know, uh, much like Brady Quinn had to come back and explain because some people took him basically out of context and what he was saying about C.J. Stroud. So you spend a news cycle, everybody getting up in arms at Brady Quinn, and then a news cycle with Brady Quinn explaining, well, that wasn't exactly what he said. And, uh, you know, holding the guy who who basically misrepresented him to task. Well, nobody, you know, nobody ever really follows up on those second and third level ap apologies or explanations. What sticks with you is what you hear first. And that's too bad. Uh, that's why you strive in this business. You should strive 
to be as factual as possible with what you say. Are you always right? Have I, have I always been right? No, but I've apologized if I haven't been right. And I was accused of not being right about one thing that I was right about, <laughs> but I won't get into that. That's a long time ago. But uh, anyway, you know, here's wishing good luck to CJ Stroud. I, I, I've, I've always enjoyed speaking with him. Uh, he's a pleasant young man. Yeah, his religion, he wears it on his sleeve. I mean, his belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, he wears it on his sleeve. And, you know, if that bothers some people, hey, that bothers some people. It doesn't bother me. Whatever gives you confidence in life, whatever gives you uh, a pillar to lean on, I say go for it. And Jackson Smith and Jigba, his best football is ahead of him. <laughs> if the Dallas Cowboys figured out a way to get Jackson Smith and Jigba, I think that would be a match made in heaven, at least in uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba's heaven since he grew up in Rockwall, which is about, what, 50 miles from uh, from Jerry World or Jerry's World in Arlington, Texas. Uh, suburb. It's a suburb now of Dallas. It didn't used to be. <laughs> but uh, right on, right, right down uh, Interstate 30, and his, his uh, family could be right there watching uh, Jackson Smith and Jig. But I think he is, no matter where he's taken, he's going to be somewhat of a steal in this draft. And it's too bad he and C.J. Stroud didn't get a – second year together uh, to just light it up. But uh, that's the way college football is. You know, you only get a, even in this age where guys are playing five and six and in Tristan Jebbia's uh, case, the transfer quarterback from Oregon state to Ohio state, seven years uh, to play this game. Then they have to move on one way or the other. So, uh, but anyway, here's good luck to all the Buckeyes who are in position to get drafted uh, this week and especially to C.J. Stroud, because I think he is a special talent uh, that if he gets with the right team and gets the right team built around him, will be playing 12, 15 years from now. I could be wrong, but I doubt it. Anyway, until next week, this is Tim May for the Tim May Show. We'll see you then. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older in present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. 
Kansas, 1877 stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.